Blog Talk Radio. To the One Ten Nation Sports Show, I'm your host, Mr. CJ Sports. You can follow me at Mr. CJ Sports. You can follow the One Ten Nation at One Ten Nation. Check us out on Facebook, my personal fan page, Mr. CJ Sports. The One Ten Nation fan page, the One Ten Nation Sports. Glad to be back in the studio. It has been a very, very long time since I've been sitting in the studio. Uh, glad to be back. Um, glad to uh, be able to sit with the guys uh, yesterday and uh, be in the chat room and well, actually almost all weekend long and uh, watch NASCAR. I'm glad to see the NASCAR season is back underway. Um, but yeah, just glad to be in the studio. Talk about the guys. Uh, make sure you guys tune in tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, right here on the 110 Nation Sports Radio Network for Race Chat Live with Chris, Craig, and uh, Taz, as uh, they'll bring you all the latest uh, from the Truck Series, the Xfinity Series, the Cup Series from Daytona, and then get you guys ready for Fontana um, out there in California next weekend. Um, so excited and looking forward to uh, um, that show tomorrow night. Always a great time. Um Thursday nights, we got the uh, Southern Dirt Track Report. I'm not sure exactly when they're going to be making their debut for this season. I know uh, we're, we're inching closer to that. Um, so looking forward to uh, having them back on for another season. Eight o'clock right here on the 110 Nation uh, Sports Radio Network as well. Um, I'll let you guys know and also be on our fan page. Make sure you guys check that out um, as we've been uh, really uh, doing a lot of work on the uh, fan page as uh, we really uh, work on uh, getting things situated this season. And uh, the ultimate goal is by the end of this season, um, going into the next season, we get the uh, site back up and uh, get things rolling on the website as well. This year's focus is going to be um, strictly the uh, the radio um, side of the house and uh, um, work on uh, being on the air consistently and uh, building the brand. And... Uh, the end of the season, rolling into the next season, work on expanding into the website and uh, getting that getting that all back underway and uh, just uh, doing a lot of work on that side. A uh, lot of uh, interesting things over the last couple months. Uh, I'm not going to bore everybody with the details, personal life. We'll talk about a few things here and there from stolen car to sitting here with the actual staples in my head at this point. Um, but uh, we have plenty of time to jump into uh, those topics over the season. Um, you know, I, I, I've sat here all afternoon long and, and really the last couple of days trying to decide which which avenue I wanted to go first and what, what I want to jump into. Um, if it be a, a LeBron James 
as that's been a hot topic for the last couple of days. Um, thanks to the, the team up north and Juwan Howard, uh, the Michigan basketball program has been a hot topic for at least the last day. Um, NCAA um, football and, and the playoffs, um, that's been a, I'm, I'm not going to say a hot topic, but it's been a topic of conversation, kind of surprised about that. Uh, but I, I think in Daytona this weekend, <laughs> next generation car, new drivers, new teams, has I mean, been a, bit, a pretty big topic. Um, great racing this weekend. If you guys didn't catch the racing all all three races, um, definitely close. Great racing. So uh, a, lot, a lot there. Uh, try not to jump into and talk too much on the NASCAR side of the house. Um, so that it's not repetitive back-to-back shows as uh, the guys will do a phenomenal job jumping into it tomorrow night. Uh, but there, there's one topic that I've, I've sat on, and I've shared a couple of different posts um, on on this topic, and I'm not understanding to even still to today how this is even a topic or, or – how this is even really acceptable at this point, or at any point, not just this point. And we, we, when, I, when I pull up these headlines, and, and this headline specifically that I shared over on the uh, the fan page, um, it, it has me scratching carefully because i got to work around the staples now. Um, but scratching my head, um, talking about transgender swimmers, uh, Thomas and Hidnig, uh Clobber Ivy League comp- competition. Um, at what point has this been or still acceptable? I, I mean, I'm not – I thought we created – different leagues and, and different divisions to separate the women from the men to, to make it an even play field. I mean, to me, having a bunch of dudes swim with the females is like LeBron saying, you know what, let me go play in the WNBA for a while. Let, let, let me see what havoc I can create over all the female players. Like, uh, to have a, and don't get me wrong. <laughs> Even in my best shape, even even ten years ago, benching four sixty, I, I knew some bad females that I don't think necessarily want to go toe toe with. I mean, there, there was some bad females out there, and there are some bad females out there. Um, some there there's some of the most athletic athletes out there that are females, but that's not the general rule when you talk about the chromosomes and the makes up makeup of a uh, of a male and a female athlete. And to so to allow a male athlete to go play in a female sport and allow them to dominate, you know, we we've seen the headlines where male transgenders, whatever you want to call it, go wrestle in, in women's division. Like, what part do we think that's even acceptable or even fair? I mean, we 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 got the women's soccer team. That honestly, I would rather watch the women's soccer team versus the men's soccer team. The women's soccer team is more successful, um, and a lot of those women on the women's soccer team, Team USA, is more athletic than the men's. Um, we have the WNBA. We we have different, not too necessarily the, the the same extremes when we talk about the WNBA or the Women's Soccer League um, and, and Team USA, but there's different levels and different forms of 
women um, football. We got softball, the same thing, not maybe to the necessarily to the the same the same levels, but I'll be honest, I'd rather sit there and watch the women's softball World Series versus watching the guys World Series. It's just more intriguing to me. Um, plus, it fascinates me to watch a daggone female throw a damn under, underhand pitch faster than some most dudes can throw an overhand pitch. Like it just, it's just crazy to me. Excuse <coughs> me. So, all these years and all this time, we, we've created different leagues. We've created different divisions. We, we've been all about equality, and you know we, we need to have a women's basketball league. And here we are, even still in 2022, debating on whether or not WNBA players are not paid enough, and, and women's soccer players are not paid enough, and they're not getting the same pay versus the men's when, when it comes to these different sports. That whole argument debates for a whole other, a whole other discussion, um, because I, I can see when, when you talk about the women's soccer, because of the revenue and the attention they get. But then I can't defend the women's WNBA because honestly, unless I catch it on the TV at the gym, I don't even realize they still even have a league. Um, they, they don't bring in the revenue. They, there's not the funding to back that up. There's got to be some kind of money coming in in order to pay these contracts. Um, so, you know, that, that that's a whole kind of you got to pick and choose your battles and, and the whole debate of conversation on that, but that's here nor there. So we, we got – women's soccer we we got women's basketball in one form or fashion or another there's baseball for women and there there's football for women and so we've kind of made it where it was an even play field where, where women get to compete against women the, the same physical makeup the same physical like i said don't, don't get me wrong there's there's that women athletes out there that are <coughs> bad as i don't know what i i don't think that there's one single woman in the UFC that I would want to get into the octagon, especially at my age and my my shape right now. I don't want to even get in there and think about going um, blow to blow with. Um, and it, 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 it's another prime example. It's not like Brock Lesnar is getting in the octagon with Ronda Rousey. I mean, it, there, there's a reason why we, we have different divisions and different leagues and try to make the play field as even as, as, even as possible. And then we have Ivy League teams, <laughs> such as Yale and Penn, that you got dudes on your, your women's swim team. You got men shattering women's records. So at, at, at what point do <laughs> at what point do we cut this off? Like I, I, I'm not getting the, the logic behind this. Like. As a male, you, you're you're not as confident or not as physically gifted as the rest of the men. So to feel good about yourself, you go swim with some females that maybe you are a little bit more physically talented than. Like I, the the the, the sign, the giveaway here is when <clears throat> when we talk about these these different and I, I use these in quotes men, women, whatever. When we're, we're, we're watching these men shatter records, like at that point, you should obviously know that as 
woke is the word you want to use. You're trying to be obviously you're 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 past that whole level when now records that women have worked hard to to hold that have physically have done everything that they have could have done possible to prepare themselves to be the best that they can at the sport that they participate in, compete in, excel in, all these records get thrown out the window. All these records no longer are valid. These these records are no longer in the record book because some guy wants to identify as a woman and now shatters those records. Records that will probably never be beat by another uh, by a female period. Like I am, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of lost for words on this. Like, how does this make sense? How, how, how does some of you people live with yourself at night? Like, I, I'm not understanding how people that write these articles and, and that are, are fine with what they're writing and fine with the situation and. These different administrations, these excuse me, these different schools, these different programs. How how are you fine with this? How does this make any kind of sense? How am I supposed to tell my twenty four year old daughter or my fifteen year old daughter, you know what? You did a phenomenal job. You were the best best that you could have done. You you shattered the record. Yeah, I, 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 that record probably lived forever. Like you, you since you were five years old, you 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 did this. You you got up, you practiced, you committed, you 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 did everything you were supposed to do. Fast forward a year later, I hate to tell you, but Timmy he he's now Tiffany and. He crushed your record, and so everything you were for really meant nothing because you're, you're the memory and the history of what you did in the books and what you did for your program no longer means anything because Timmy wants to be Tiffany so that he could beat your record, that he could be better than you. Like, I, I don't – I'm not okay with this. Like <laughs> – I understand athletes are athletes, and like I said, there, there's some some women, there's some there's some basketball players out there, female wise, that I I don't necessarily would have an issue with them playing in the WNBA. I think it's a little too physical. Well, I don't know about today's NBA. <laughs> I mean, most of the time these players fall, it's because the wind knocked them over, not because an actual player knocked them over. I mean, we go back to the 90s, and, you, you know, you got Charles Barkley and Anthony Mason and John Starks and Ron Artest and, you know, all the physical players of the day. Hey, maybe not so much. Um, today, you know, LaFlop and James Harden, I swear that that man, <laughs> that man flops more than anybody. Um, it, it's not such a physical sport. Um but still, nonetheless, I, I just couldn't see physically they, they need to be out there with a bunch of men that, you know, that's, that's a lot of elbows still being thrown. There, there's a lot of body parts, even guys that are getting hit that doesn't feel the greatest. And so you're, you're taking 
different risk and different chances when it comes to the physicality of some of this. But I don't understand why we continue to entertain this. <laughs> what value does any of this hold? How can any historian, any woman, any coach, any writer, any anything not see an issue with the record books, the history, the direction of women's athletics and where it's going when you're allowing males to compete in female sports and female leagues and shattering records that some of these women have dedicated their entire life, have sacrificed a lot. They're, 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 they're females that didn't go to dances, didn't get to have the social life, didn't get to do a lot of things that even regular teenage kids and regular females did because they wanted to be the best of the best. They, they wanted to have an opportunity to provide the best opportunities for themselves, their families, and some some females out there, they wanted to be in record books. They, they wanted to be known as the best at, at their sport, the best that they could have been. <laughs> I ain't coughed all day and all of a sudden, <laughs> coughing like crazy. Um, not even just the best, uh, the best that they could be, but better than anybody else has ever done it. I, I've been drinking water here. Um, I mean, you got people like Tom Brady that played him to his 45 years old, won all his champions, so he could be the best to ever do it, to be in the conversation of GOAT. Michael Jordan, LeBron James, you know, we, we can go on and on of uh, – um, we can go on and on of people that sacrificed all, gave all, wanted to be the best, are the best in their particular sport of all time. And uh and and you got that even in the female, just because it's not a, just because it's not a topic of conversation, just because we don't sit there and have the conversation of who was the greatest female tennis player of all time, or a, a, even when we talk about goats of all time. 99.9% of the time, a female athlete is never name is never thrown been thrown into the conversation. Doesn't mean that women don't sacrifice everything. That they, they, there's not women out there that have dedicated their entire life to be the best at their particular skill set, at their particular sport, and. To now be in a generation where you can have a male identify as a woman and be able to crush records, set set new levels that no woman naturally could physically be able to do, we're all supposed to be all right with that. It's just supposed to be part of the new norm. I, I I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't think I'll ever understand it. I, I know I no, I know that I'll never ever be okay with it. And it just kind of blows my mind. And 
I can't wrap my head around how that it, it is okay with people. How this is a headline like it was Tom Brady was another Super Bowl. Like it was just as normal as that. Like transgender so and so and so and so shattered another record. Like no, that's this is not even this that shouldn't even be that normal of a headline or a conversation. Like either man up, you were born a male and compete with the men or don't participate at all. Go down to your local YMCA and swim some laps around the pool and go home. Don't sit there and compete with the women because you can't compete with the men and to make yourself feel better and so that you shatter records that you shouldn't be shattering or not even, you don't even have to shatter, beat records. Like, uh, you, you want to talk about it forever should be an asterisk in anything. <laughs> It, almost any female's record book at this point, there should be asterisks all over the place. And, and honestly, it's it's insane and beyond ridiculous. The NCAA decided, I want to say it was over this weekend, <clears throat> that they're not going to um, change their playoff situation, their go-to-the-12-team um, playoff this year. Um, it was a talk, topic of conversation. Some thought that uh, this year they would change it up. They, we, we thought that um, there was enough momentum built that they would go ahead and do it now versus waiting to or waiting possibly until 2026 when the current contract of the current playoff system is uh, valid through. Um, I'm kind of disappointed. I'm not going to lie. Um, and I, I think the the NCAA should be kind of disappointed, too. You're, you're talking about they're missing out on $450 million because uh, um, if they would have went ahead and done this two years earlier, they would have uh, um, gotten $450 million. Uh, conference uh, estimated $450 million in additional revenue. Um, so there, there's additional revenues, and now you got additional games, additional advertising, everything else that go along with it. Um, ACC was one of the front runners that was not, was one of the front runners and not uh, moving this forward. Um, but let's be honest, though, can you can you blame them? Uh, first of all, the vote was eight to three, so it wasn't even close, and, and the ACC wasn't the only one. But let's be honest: can you really blame them? I mean, right now, how this sits—we've watched Clemson make the playoffs year after year after year and, and won a championship. Now, mind you, a Clemson team that all they really have to do is beat up on the ACC. This has been a conversation about Trevor Lawrence. This is why I'm not surprised Trevor Lawrence has had a sucky year, rookie year, um, and, and has not lived up to the expectations that everybody thought he was going to live up to. Because, I mean, up to this point, he's really beaten nobody. He played, what, a bunch of ACC teams? He played, what, two two SEC teams um, in the regular season, played a bunch of non-conference teams, and then – he beat Ohio State on a one of the, probably one of the worst uh, calls ever in Fiesta Bowl history. Beat an, an injury uh, injured plagued Alabama team, um, and then lost to Ohio State, and, and I think lost to Alabama as well. So 
to this point, Clemson's really not beat anybody of any quality. I mean, we'll give them that Ohio State and Alabama win, but both of them had, you know, reasons why they played out the way they did. Um, so why would the ACC want a 8 or 12 team playoff system? I mean, all ACC, all, all Clemson's got to do is beat teams like Duke or UNC or Wake Forest or Georgia Tech. Um Boston College teams to that strength. Uh, one or two non-conference teams, teams that we probably don't even know what state they're actually even from, and then maybe a weak SEC team, and you make the playoffs. Then you just hope the dice falls and calls go your way, or you get the weaker of the three other teams, and you find yourself in the national championship game. I mean, it sounds like a pretty sweet deal. So why would the SC, why would the ACC want that to change? Why would the ACC want the chance to okay Clemson, you bulldoze through the ACC? Because I mean it's not it's a non-football conference. Let's be honest. I mean we, we were talking about Clemson and March Madness, and I can understand you know all right let's let's expand this because we have nothing to lose. We ain't beating the Blue Devils. We ain't beating the Tar Heels. We're, you know, those are going to be our bread and butter out of the basketball. Um, but this is football. When when was Duke or UNC really relevant? Um, so we know that if you, you roll through, let's say you even get the number one seed, now you at least got to play a 12 seed. And so we get through them. Now there's six teams. That means now you got to play another top 12 team. So you went from probably playing no ranked teams all year long, because I think the year before they played no ranked teams until they got to the playoffs. So now you go from no ranked teams, or maybe one at worst case scenario for Clemson out of the ACC, to now you played a top 12 team in the first round, top 12 team in the second round. Now you're down to three. At some point you're going to have a buy. So let's say that they do the top four teams and get a buy or something. So by the first round, top two or top 12 teams, the next three rounds, counting your championship. Whole different scenario from going from hardly playing any top 12 teams or top teams, period, and you're in a national title. So now you're probably going to have to play at least three top 12 teams. Changes the percentile and the odds and the chances of Clemson making it through and into a national title game. It also makes life a little bit more interesting for the rest of the world when it comes to Alabama. Alabama fans don't 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 get too excited like you thought that you you were going to slide through. Well, you know, focuses on Clemson. Alabama, your schedule is really not much better. You might play two, if if it's a crazy season, you might play three ranked teams until you get to the national title game. Ohio State traditionally plays four or five. They play a little bit more. Last year, I think last year it wasn't as good. Didn't play as many uh, um, top twelve or top ten teams, top twenty-five teams. You want to make life interesting. Do you really want to make this season worthwhile? You got twelve games. Make eight of them have to be against either top twenty-five or top fifty teams. Let's stop playing these pansy schedules. I give you four give me games: two conference, two non-conference. So, Ohio State, I give you two games out of the, the, the Big Ten. 
<laughs> you play two weakest teams in the Big Ten. That's your two gimme games. You play two non-conference games, your Toledo game that you play and Ohio University or whoever else, your, your other gimme game. Now, your two, your two other gimme games need to be against Big Ten rivals. Help, help your conference, help bring that revenue in. Your other eight games need to be against top 25 or top 50 teams, and that should be across the board. If you want to be teams that are eligible to be in the playoffs, if it be a four, eight, or 12-team system, we, there need to be some legitimacy to these schedules and who these teams compete against. That's why there's this ultimate debate on which team should be in. Should Cincinnati be in? Should Notre Dame be in? Should Boise State be in? Should this team be in? Well, strength of schedule, this, that, and the other. And then you guys take the strength of schedule to a whole different level. Because now you 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 overrank the value of some Big Ten teams, some of the SEC teams, and you undervalue some of the teams that these other non-conference or other conference teams play, even though the teams they play are actually ranked. You don't hold the value of their strength, the value, the strength of the schedule as much, even though technically they played more ranked teams than some of these teams like Clemson some years out of Alabama that make it. But uh, you already got it in your mindset and in, in your head that, okay, Alabama's the best team out there. And everybody wants to see who can beat Alabama. So regardless what happens, if they lose a game, lose two games, you're automatically trying to find a reason and come up with a way to defend your decision to why a one-loss or a two-loss team is in there like Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State versus an undefeated team that might have had a tougher schedule in the sense of who they played at the time in the rankings. You want to base it off of how you feel the strength of the schedule actually was versus maybe what the strength of the schedule versus the ranking of the opponents they actually did play. And so I, I, I feel that you need to change up this this whole scheduling and quit allowing teams to only play one, two, or three top 25 teams for the entire season and the rest of their schedule give be give me games. I'm also a firm believer as well that Alabama needs to play some of their some of their up north games in November. Yeah, when was the last time they actually went to Arbor uh, Pro or whatever Arbor, wherever Michigan plays at um, in November? or came to Ohio State in November, or went and played in Michigan State in November, or Wisconsin in November. That was the last time they really traveled to any of these stadiums, period. The last time I remember they even playing a Big Ten team it was on a neutral site, and that was Michigan at the beginning of the season to an overrated Michigan team at that. Because we all know that Alabama's not going to travel and have to go play in the snow nowhere. It's not going to happen, or even cold weather. If they play a Big Ten team up north, uh, uh, late in the season, it's going to be on a neutral site in a dome somewhere. That's just the way it's going to be. You're not doing these kids justice by not preparing them completely for the NFL, nor are you maximizing your, your, the opportunities you have in, in a championship and uh, a playoff system when you're not requiring these teams to play legitimate schedules and have legitimate opponents. Now, my other bitch moment and complaint about this whole system is you end the season and then you're off for like four weeks before the 
the bowl games and your national title game. There's no reason that we are not running an 8 or a 12 or even a 16 team. I don't know if I'd go to that extreme. Cause, and I don't even know if a 12-man is the right the right equation. It, it might just need to be a uh, an 8-team playoff. It needs to be expanded. Because, one, you got teams like Clemson who play nobody all year long, and now they're in a playoff, and they might play one ranked team all year. Same with Alabama. They might only have to play two or three. But I don't know if 12 or 16 is the answer. I said, well, I'd like to see an eight team. I would like them to do a contract up that does or, or an agreement that we do an eight-team team, eight playoff system for one, maybe two years. One year with the option of changing it or two years, then the option of changing it and, and seeing where it goes. If it needs to go to – if we can see a 12-team or 16-team um, playoff field being even better. I don't want to commit to going straight into 12 necessarily, but that's me. I, I want to see how it plays out. I don't want to be overwhelming. I feel that the NCAA tournament, even though you've got the Cinderella stories and it's fascinating to watch and the brackets and everything, one, football is a more physical sport. Therefore, you're taking chances, more chances of players getting hurt and everything else. So I don't know if I'm necessarily, and especially since a lot of these players are trying to not get hurt so they can be drafted in the NFL. <laughs> I don't know how how ready and how willing I am to commit to 12 teams, but at least let's go eight teams. Let's let's have at least two weeks of playoffs. Even if you broke it out across the eight weeks and you did two two and then four games and two or something, I don't care. I broke it up, but you got a whole month. There's no football. There's no reason why we finish our season like the first or second week of November and then we're not talking about bowl games until the week of Christmas. Like, there's no reason. And then the playoff teams, you're not talking about them until the end of December, beginning of January, and then your bowl games like the first weekend of January. Like, why are we got a whole month off before we finish the last two games each of them got to play if they win? Let's let's expand this, expand this to an eight team. Let's have uh, uh, at least two two weekends. You all, all eight play on the first weekend. All four play on the next weekend. And then you got your two for the national title game. You, you, you at least make this three weeks of football. Um, but I do want to see more than four teams. I, I think that you're you're not getting the most out of it. You're not you're not getting. Uh, uh, Tread lightly when I say you don't get a true champion, but honestly, you're not getting a true champion. Right now, you're getting the team that does the best job of manipulating the schedule to win their conference, to play as little ranked teams as possible, as long as you're a power name team, as long as you've managed to manipulate the system long enough, like Clemson, that you're going to be ranked high enough that all you got to do is win the ACC and you can find yourself in the playoffs and you hope for the best. Now, that whole run, they, they for best, they got one championship out of it. Um, so lost the rest of them because they weren't really a top-four team in college football. They were the top team in the ACC, so they got to, go to, they got to be in the playoffs, but they weren't necessarily a top-four team in the entire college football system. 
So obviously we're going to keep our eye on that and see how that develops in over the next year or two. Like I said, I'm not necessarily ready for a 12 team. I, I, I don't know how committed I am. Depending on how you do it, if the top four get a first round by, so you play eight teams and then the next round you play the next eight teams uh, because you'll have uh, the four teams still in it. Um and then you play the four teams and the two teams, and so that maybe. Um, but I would I would like to see at least eight teams, at least for the first year with an option or two years with an option, just to see how to play. Like I said, I don't want to be committed. And you, you got players that, you know, some a, a play an extra year just to help their, their stock, um, draft stock. Um, I, I just don't know how committed I am to saying, well, you got to play another three games before you get drafted and hope you don't get hurt. I mean, don't get me wrong, some of the players, being on the spotlight and playing amongst the best, I mean, you you got a quarterback that plays lights out in three playoff games, in other words, three games against the top 12 teams in the entire college football. I am sure that does nothing but help their stock. But you, then you're going to have that whole debate when the first person gets hurt and they're done for the rest of the year and whether or not that hurts the status of the value of their stock and being drafted. So that's why I would like to see the 18 um, um, format implicated first to see how it plays out, what it looks like, and then maybe move forward after that. Um Another topic that has uh, made its way on our timeline here. Uh, one, for those that missed it, uh, the Michigan <laughs> Michigan basketball team, Wisconsin coaches got into it. Juan Howard, uh, uh, Juan Howard's end of throwing a punch to the Wisconsin at uh, land on the Wisconsin assistant coach. Um, You know, I, at, at first I was a little more riled up about it. I think it was more the fact that it was a Michigan, <laughs> Michigan anything. Um, I agree with a lot of what I heard today, uh, more specifically on Callen. Cal heard today when I was listening. Um, the assistant coach of Wisconsin had no – no right to physically touch. I mean, I, I mean, granted, he just grabbed his arm, trying to get him stopped, wanted to defend what happened and calling the timeout. But at the same time, a grown man doesn't just grab another grown man's arm or physically touch them without there being potential issues, especially when the situation and the other person is already heated in a pissed off mood as it is. But then on top of that, it is not okay for – uh, Juwan Howard to be the head coach of the men's basketball team, supposed to set the example, end up throwing blows. Um, Howard was suspended for the rest of the season. I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with the rest of the season. Yes, um, I, I feel that the Wisconsin coach should probably have been suspended a few games. Um, Howard may be suspended a few more games than the Wisconsin assistant coach um, to kind of set the example that – the Big Ten, the NCAA, um, are, are not going to um, accept or allow or tolerate 
um, any kind of fighting, any kind of physical altercations. It don't matter if the head coach is on down, but also that the coach is there to set the example, to to mentor, to to be the leaders, to set the example. And, and so I don't know if suspending Howard for the rest of the season is necessarily the extreme that it needed to go to. Uh, but I, I could have saw Wisconsin coach two, three-game suspension, Howard four or five-game suspension, call it a day, you learn your lesson, um, and, and move forward from that point. Um, so that that was that was something. <laughs> that was something else. You know, being an Ohio State fan, and that stuff starts coming across your timeline, it's just like, oh, look at this. Uh, that team up north just doing great things. But uh, in all seriousness, I, I, I think – the rest of the season is a little bit much. Um, the XFL and the NFL um, have uh, come to a, a, some kind of partner partnership agreement. Um, the NFL and the XFL have reached a partnership agreement that will focus on protecting the health of players, the XFL announced Monday. XFL officials made clear that the collaboration will not include player sharing for development purposes, but the alignment is notable given the growing number of alternative leagues in the football landscape. Um, moves forward to talk about... Um, opportunity the NFL has to advance the game of football. I think it's always been open to uh, basically they're going to use this opportunity to test different equipment, test different rules, um, safety protocol. Um, Also, I think they're going to use it to help with the officiating, to improve on the officiating um, part of um, yeah the the NFL-XFL agreement will give the NFL a petri dish um, to experiment with pr- proposed rules, test new equipment, and develop perspe- uh, prospective officials and coaches. The NFL or XFL president Russ Brandon told ESPN. Um, of course, uh, The Rock um, is one of the uh, owners as he bought out, uh, um, became a big investor in this offseason. Um, it really honestly sucked. I, I, I don't know how many of the listeners caught the XFL the second time around. Um, I was all in and excited about the XFL the first season. I remember that uh, the players had to go run to the ball, and that's who determined who won the kickoff and everything else. Um, I, I think – Vince McMahon and the XFL kind of thought too far out of the box um, and was ahead of their time at the same time. They brought the XFL back, um, and this time around, I, I think they hit it on the head. Um, be able to hear the play calls, to be able to hear um, the officials when they were doing instant replay, all the things that the XFL do, the XFL was catching momentum. There, I, don't, I don't think there was a single thing that was ever said bad about the XFL. If you were a football fan, you were all in, and you were excited to learn more about the XFL and see what else that they were bringing to the table um, to make the football experience a better experience. I, like I said, I don't think there was a single person that said a negative thing about the XFL. It was very exciting. It was different. It was not the NFL. 
people loved to be able to hear what was going on, um, the play calling and everything else. Unfortunately, COVID-19 shut all that down, um, especially, you know, that being that their first season. Um, I, I think not only did it upset the players and upset the, the owners and the teams and everything else, but even more so, I, I think it really upset fans because this, this was a great product. Um, and just a different experience, a different, just a whole different football. Um, it was the same football, but it was a different football. And people loved a lot of the things, a lot of the transparency, a lot of the rules, a lot of what the XFL brought. And like I said, every week, the, the viewership, the, the backing of the XFL grew and grew and grew. And unfortunately, the, the COVID-19, um, it, it was the wrong time to happen for the XFL. So now we get an opportunity move forward two years, we get an opportunity with new investors and, and the rock being part of that whole uh, movement. And now the partnership with the NFL, hopefully it stays all the same that we got to experience the first time. Well, the second time around, uh, maybe a few tweaks, maybe a few things to improve on. But uh, like I said, I, I don't know one person that watched the XFL that had anything negative to say about the XFL. Um, hopefully we get the same product um, and, and a, a chance to watch some great football again and see where it takes it this time. Maybe with the NFL and the backing, the partnership, um, maybe that bring me, maybe that means a little more funding with the partnership or accessibility to funding to help even improve this league even better because now you're not competing with the NFL. The NFL took an opportunity. I don't think the NFL was necessarily threatened by the XFL. Um, you're talking about the NFL, a brand that's been around for, what, 60-something years at this point. Um, but I, I think the NFL didn't want the XFL to get too big or big to a certain point. And I think the NFL knew that let's, let's, let's reach a hand out. Let's make a partnership of this and be part of this as this thing, because if this thing blows up like it did the first time around, then like I, said, I don't think they felt threatened, but they also knew that this thing could continue to grow to be, I'm not going to say necessarily a competitive league or a, a league that competes with them. Um, but uh, same as comparison to the WWE and the AEW, I don't know if WWE ever really feels that AEW is necessarily going to be to the same level, but uh, they also know that they will have a, a big following and the money, some of that money that would have been spent in the NFL, just like what had been spent in the WWE, is now being spent in the – or would be spent in the XFL – like is now spent AEW, and I think that the NFL wanted to make sure they had an opportunity to be a part of that and not let it get to a point that it was affecting any kind of viewership, even though it wasn't the same time. But you, you watch one league that you love a lot, you're not necessarily caring to watch a league that maybe you're not – so excited about it anymore that you don't necessarily agree with the rules or the lack of transparency or lack of officiating or the you know so 
Just like WWE, like like I said, I don't think they're in fear that AEW ever become better than them, but or bigger than them. But you know, at some point, the WWE's got to be fearful that when do our fans get tired of the same storylines over and over? You know, is the W AEW having better storylines? Are they coming out with new things that we never like? So, um, the NFL did the wise thing. So, like, look, you know. Partner up with this, and let's let's be part of this, and then not worry about it taking any 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 food off our tables at any point in time. Um, LeBron James, uh, obviously NBA weekend, All Star weekend in in Cleveland. Been a long time since they've been in Cleveland to do this. Um, couple conversations of LeBron that was brought up that I, I thought was interesting. That was why it was part of the uh, – um, um, well, I thought I put it in the uh, – yeah, in the NBA, in the description. Um, LeBron James feels that the uh, the door to coming back to Cleveland is not closed. And I, I forget who I was having this whole conversation with, but we we was talking about LeBron James. We were, we were talking about this young Cleveland team, and the fact that this Cleveland team has actually put a, a nice young squad together. And it was unfortunate because second time LeBron was at Cleveland, that was the thing that I was most excited about. You know, you're talking about LeBron coming back to Cleveland, the talks of Kevin Love coming to Cleveland. We had just had like three of the last four top picks. We had Andrew Wiggins. We had Deion Waiters. Um, we had Tristan Thompson. We had, we had a very young, um, young, skillful team, a team that was built for the long run. You had LeBron James. Um, you still had Kyrie. We had Kyrie Irving. You you had Kevin Love. You have a team that had a couple veteran players in LeBron and Kevin Love. You had a bunch of young young players that 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 was supposed to be your run for the next five, six, seven, eight, ten years. Who knew that 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 was a bunch of talent there. And then in comes LeBron and implodes it all. Now, granted, you know, first year we make it to the the finals, we lose. Second year we come back from the 3-1 deficit. You had a Jarrett Smith, Iman Shumpert. You still had Matthew Devil uh, Dova. Um, you had uh, Richard Jefferson. Um, you, you added some pieces, some veteran pieces, and you won a championship. You go back the next year, you lose because they brought in KD. And, and then the next year, LeBron brings a, a whole squad of veterans that were way past their prime, and then we're done. <clears throat> and we're left a team that was one of the worst teams in the NBA once again, like he left us the first time. Now, I never faulted LeBron for leaving the first time. I, I, I completely understood why he left the first time. You you couldn't – Dan Gilbert wouldn't give LeBron anybody, wouldn't bring in no help. You know, you, you take a, a, a team of nobodies, a bunch of nobodies, you take them to the NBA Finals. Granted, you lost four games to nothing to the 2007 NBA Finals to the San Antonio Spurs, 
but you know that that was that should have been Dan Gilbert's wake up call. Okay, LeBron is good enough to carry a team to the NBA Finals. Let me put some players around him. And what was the best attempt that Dan Gilbert made? He brought in a washed up Shaquille O'Neal and Antoine Jameson. And I don't even know if he brought anybody else even in. LeBron said, you know what? You ain't going to give me no help. You ain't going to bring nobody in. I'm going to go do this elsewhere. Now, just like everybody else, I don't like how he did it. You waited until you were the last person to announce that you were going somewhere else in the free agency, one of the best free agency off-seasons we had. And by the time you decided that you weren't staying, everybody was gone. There was, there was nobody left to pick up. So then we slowly had to rebuild, finally rebuild a team, and that's when you come back. Imploded, won championship, but imploded it. Then he left again. So Dan Gilbert and staff did a phenomenal job rebuilding the team once again, maximizing the best out of the uh, their draft, added a couple young pieces, a young team that, that's poised to make a good, nice run again. It's just like the team before. As a Cleveland fan, I don't think that I want to see LeBron come back again. I mean, I, I'm not going to say I don't think. I don't want to see LeBron come back again. I don't want to see him do the same thing that he's already done to our team once. He did to Miami. He did to the Lakers. Took a young team and then blowed it, brought a bunch of veteran players in there. Lakers are not even a 500 team. I don't even think they made the playoffs last year. They won a bubble championship. Same thing with Miami. We got to the end of the Miami run. Miami was left with a bunch of nobodies, a bunch of veterans, a washed-up team that they had to work hard to rebuild and make themselves relevant again. Cleveland's already had to do this twice. I have hardly watched a basketball game since LeBron left, not because I'm going to say LeBron left, just because he left us nobody. There's nothing really to watch. Sexton was really our only good player. I mean, Kevin Love, but he's been hit and misses at his age and his injuries. There's not really been much to watch. This this year, this team is the best we've had since LeBron left. This team, honestly, is better than the Lakers squad at this point. I don't think there's a Cleveland Cavalier fan out there that is even hipped or even keen to the idea of that door being open for LeBron return. I think we got our championship. We got what we wanted out of that second run. A trophy was brought back to Ohio, brought back to Cleveland. I think we could. Don't get me wrong, we'd love to win the championship, but I think we would like to win the championship with them continuing doing what they're doing now versus in hopes that he implodes the team, brings some veterans in. It happened, not happened, but then we got to go through another handful of years before we're relevant again. Because there's no guarantee by the time he comes back, being like 40 years old, that he's even going to win the championship or be able to physically be in a position to even be relevant enough to win the championship. Honestly, by the time that his contract's up and, and part of the time when he want to come back, you're talking about a player that might play just a partial season. He might be that player that 
he would bring to the Cavaliers and brought to Miami that came off the bench and played in foul trouble time or fourth quarter scrub time just to give the star players rest time. Not that he's actually going to lead the Cavaliers or even lead the Lakers at this point to a championship or in minutes or anything else. I hope Dan Gilbert has wised up to this whole scenario and is going to continue to move forward. There's a lot of buzz, a lot of excitement in Cleveland when it comes to the Cavalier basketball time, basketball team, a lot of hope. Let's not put all this on pause or implode this all up to have to redo it again just to bring LeBron James back one more time. If LeBron, they want to bring LeBron back at some point to be part of um, the coaching staff or be some part of that front office organization part, that is what that is. But to disrupt what we have on the court to bring him back for a part-time at that point, that's all it would be, opportunity, Cleveland needs to rethink all that. Um, don't forget, tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, as you can hear my phone dinging in the background as the guys are uh, laying out uh, <clears throat> the itinerary and topics for conversations going on for tomorrow night's show. Um, uh, 8 o'clock, tomorrow night. Race Chat Live with Chris, um, Taz, and Craig. Make sure you guys tune in, check that out. Also, make sure you guys jump over to their fan page, um, Race Chat Live. Give them a like. Um, check out what they got going on over there. Um, not sure when the season kicks off for Southern Dirt Report, or the Southern Dirt Track Report, but Thursday night, 8 o'clock. Um, those guys will be back on um, the 110 Nation Sports Radio Network as well. So looking forward to that. I will be back in the studio uh, next Monday night, 8 o'clock, as Monday nights are now my new night. Um, as the guys have taken over Tuesday night, I will drop in tomorrow night's show to give my picks as I am second place in the points. So I have to go one from last because we do the interverse or however you say it, inverse um, picks. So... Um, since so I'm second points, I go second last in my picks. Taz is on top, so he gets the last pick. Um, so hopefully uh, I'm able to pick up uh, a couple uh, a couple good picks and uh, catch uh, catch some catch some ground on uh, Taz as uh, he jumped out to a nice little lead. Um, even on the second, he still got a nice lead over me. Um, as uh, Chris, uh, Taz, and uh, Miss Lee can all fight for the bottom there. Uh, make sure you guys give us a like at uh, 110 Nation uh, Sports fan page. Uh, follow us on Twitter at the 110 Nation next Monday night. Till then.